So we're starting a new series called Acts Sent to, Zen, to Sent. And here we will uh, dive into the first half of the book of Acts and learn the sending nature of the triune God, as well as a relevant uh, empowerment of the church by the Holy Spirit to go and embody Christ on earth, um, to bring hope and healing to a broken world. And I think uh, that's going to be like our, um, the core of, of, of the series. And, um, and we can see that all throughout Acts. There is just like a, a sense of sentness and God sending and then uh, the disciples and the disciples being sent and sending. Um, so there's a sense of mission. And uh, now um, the sermon for today, since the sermon series is called Acts Sent to Send, I figured we should call it Sent to Send. Because it's like, I was like, 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 you know, like spending some good time thinking about the title. And I was like, oh, watch. I had one and then another. I'm like, you know what? Let's just like give it the, the title of the series because it really resembles that in the beginning of Acts. And then as we go through, we will see that, that uh, becoming a life and how the church embodies uh, the nature of mission, the nature of the sadness of God. So, um, so right now for this first sermon, though, uh, we will first briefly look at the missional nature of God within himself. So the sadness of God within the Trinity. And then we will take a deeper look to the passage that we just read and, and look at how Jesus was sent to send. And we'll look at uh, specific themes throughout the passage. But first, let's look at a little bit of, a, of background here. So mission, what is mission, right? Talking about sadness and mission has a lot in common. But I looked it up, as always. And I look, uh, it says there were two definitions. Like when you just put like meaning of mission on Google and it's just, this just comes up. And it says, an important assignment carried out for political, religious, or commercial purposes, typically involving travel. So there is an assignment that is given to someone. So someone in authority gives an assignment to someone um, in lesser authority, right, that is under that authority, and then carries out that either political, religious, or commercial purpose, and typically involves moving from one place to a new place, right? It's uh, very similar to the term ambassador, right? You know, it's uh, representing the kingdom of God, going with the good news to a new place. Now, the second definition is, um, it's, it's the vocation or calling of a religious organization, especially a Christian one, to go out into the world and spread its faith. So it's like, it's basically what a lot of us uh, Christians um, know about uh, missions. It's a vocation calling of a religious organization, especially a Christian one, to go out into the world and spread its faith. So it's going out. There's a sense of going out. Um, so that's mission. That means to be sent. A mission, a missional God, uh, a God that sends someone with an assignment, right? But 
we see this uh, theme on the missional God, not only in the Gospels, in Acts, but we see it throughout the Scripture. There's lots of scholars that talk about the theme of mission, and then they see it throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelations. And this is something that, obviously, I didn't come up with. It's in Scripture, and scholars just see this pattern. And is uh, the Father sends the Son and the Son sends the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit sends the church, right? So there is this whole uh, uh, theme of God being a God of mission, a God of, uh, of sending, right? And, and then we have the Father. He sends the Son to the world from heaven above to earth, right? Then we see the pattern that even the son in John, as we, see, we saw two or three weeks ago, he breathed out the Holy Spirit to the disciples, right? The son sending the Holy Spirit, right? Towards the disciples, which were the ones that will build the church. And even in the gospel, Jesus speaks about Peter being the rock of the church, right? The ecclesia, the community. And then the Holy Spirit empowers the church, as we will see not today, but on the days to come on Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit comes and empowers the church to go forth and be sent into a mission that is beyond the, beyond the world, a mission of another kingdom, right? So the Father sends the Son, sends the Holy Spirit, and sends the church. Now... Um, now, there is a pattern of incense throughout the scripture, like I mentioned. Um, leaving the current place that is known to go into another place which is unknown. Leaving your current place which is known, which is comfortable, which is American dreamish, right? To the unknown, to a place that might be uncomfortable might be unknown, and might be hard to leave, right? That is what we see on Scripture. The living of the current place that's known to go into another place that is unknown. And where do you see that? Well, we, we can start with Abraham, right? He said, like, God, you know, <laughs> I, I always, you know, when I read this passage 10 years plus ago, it really shocked me because Abraham is like, how would I know that that's the place I should go? And God tells him, when you get there, you will know. You know, like he, he doesn't give him a sign there, but he's like, once you get there, you will know that I am the one sending you. So God wasn't like, oh yeah, here, you know, I'll give you a vision of how it looks like and that's how it's going to be. It's like, no, once you get there, that's when you're going to know. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. Abraham had to take a step of faith from the comfortable place, now remember, Abraham was a well-off person with wealth and family. And at that point, it was like lots of cows and lots of, you know, uh, herd, and herd and money and wealth. And he had to leave that which he known to a place unknown, right? And God was sending him out of his comfort zone to fulfill the promise to become a nation that will bless other nations so that God wouldn't just stay with Israel, but will bless all other nations through his seat, right? So Abraham, we see that on Abraham. We see that on Joseph again, 
right, sent out to the uncomfortable place as a slave to Egypt, right? He was sent out on a mission, you know, even though, you know, he, you know, he had dreams, he had all these things, and then he was sent out, right, then to be a liberator for Israel later on, right? And then we see the same with Moses, right? Now Moses later on, Joseph being being in Egypt, taken out of Egypt to come back to Egypt, to liberate the people of Israel, to go out again from Egypt. There is a sense of mission, of sadness. Joshua, Moses did not enter the promised land, but Joshua did, again, being sent out to the unknown, to the giants of the land. The, the spies were like, 10 of them were like, don't go. Two of them was like, God can do it, right? Same pattern. David, the prophets, we can go on and on, right? So there is this sense of uh, pattern of incent throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So God is, is a missional God within himself and within the people, the chosen people or the people that he engages with, right? So now let's go into the passage now. Let's take a deeper look into the passage and the missional quality of God within the passage. Right. Acts being uh, sort of like the early church being sent out. So first on verse four and five, we see that there is the waiting, the waiting. Right. Jesus, Jesus's command, wait for the sent one to be sent. Right. Wait for the sent one to be sent. (laughs) I'm making sense here. Jesus says, wait for the sent one, meaning the Holy Spirit, to be sent by the Father. If you go to verse um, 4 and 5, it says, in order, um, it says, um, let me read it here. It says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they say, don't leave Jerusalem, wait. And I think it was about 10 days they had to to wait between Jesus telling them and Holy Spirit coming for Pentecost. It wasn't just like a few hours. It was like some days, you know. And it's like, okay, wait. The Lord, the Father is going to send the promised gift. As I told you before. So Jesus is just repeating Right. And, and that's that's the thing. Like we know something. He tells us something. But then we're like, are you sure, Jesus? Are you sure? you are? And then he's like, yes. <laughs> he's like, as I told you before, don't forget. You know, uh, we tend to forget a lot. So um, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we know it's days. Right. Few days. Um, so we see that. Uh, in order to be sent, we must first wait patiently to be filled by the sent one, the Holy Spirit from the Father. Not to rely on our own strength to fulfill the mission, but rather be empowered by the missional God to do the works of Christ Jesus. Right? Wait for the sent one to be sent. Wait for the Holy Spirit, Jesus says. That's the waiting part, right? Wait. Don't go out. Don't go crazy. Wait. Right. So we see the waiting here 
And then we see my mission, our mission. My mission, which are my preconceived notions of God's mission, right? So right after that on verses 6 through 7, we see um, that um, it says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. Now, listen to this, kept asking him. So it's not like they ask him one time. So they ask him multiple times. Meaning like, okay, Jesus, this is great, but I'm not seeing what we want to see from you. Mm-hmm. Like we've been, and you see that throughout the Gospels. Now again on Acts, the disciples been anxious for Jesus to fulfill what they thought it was a mission of God to fulfill into their lives. It's like, when are you going to overthrow the Romans so that we can become our own kingdom, right? And all those people, Gentiles, get them out. And then we will have our own kingdom, the kingdom of God, because they all are, you know, heathens that worship other gods. So God, when are you going to overthrow this heathen so that you can actually, right, Restore a kingdom. So they first thing kept asking him. So meaning it's a verb that, you know, says that it's a lot of questioning, questioning time and time again. And then they, they kept asking me, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Now, listen to this. It, it says that it was the apostles. It was, it didn't say it was Thomas and John and Peter, he doesn't specify who were they. It was almost like a, like the group. The whole group was like, no, we want this, you know, Jesus. Like even even John himself, the beloved, all of them, right? They were like, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So you have to see the possessive verbs here. You, right, you, I mean, you, you are Jesus. It's not on us, first of all. Not us, you, you alone. He said, has the time come for you through us as a team? You know, no, it's like you to free Israel, us, right? Israel is them, of course. And restore our kingdom, right? There's a sense of preconceived notions of God's mission, and, and it is a narcissistic preconceived notion of God's mission. It's, it's a selfish one. It's about me and I and my comfort. It's not about those that might not, that are not Israelites and are suffering. Who cares about them? It's about me, what I want, my suffering, my comfort to free me from, from our demise as a, as a nation. Right? So then there is a lot of that. And then, so here we see how the apostles were looking at Jesus as a political liberator rather than a holistic liberator. One divided by geopolitical divisions and boundaries where there is the our kingdom, in this case Israel, versus the, their kingdom, which is Rome. And, um, and Jesus did not want to bring Uh, Jesus did not want to bring further separation and division among the peoples of the world, but wanted to bring unity. He is the Savior and healer of the world. 
bringing God's kingdom and establishing it on earth, a kingdom of peace. And we know that it is through the Jews, through the Israelites, and Jesus himself said it, that salvation comes, right? But it's not just for the Israelites, it's for everyone, right? So he wants to bring a kingdom, uh, a God's kingdom of peace to the world. So um, just like the apostles were looking at Jesus from the eyes of their own physical and immediate need, which is physical and immediate need, which is in this case the oppression by Rome, we at times have our own idea of the mission of Jesus. Unconsciously or unconsciously, force it on God, making him a pseudo or pseudo liberator, which excuses our current worldview or personal experience or resenting him for not satisfying the ways we believe our lives or the world around should look like. I'm going to repeat that phrase because it's a lot, a lot, a lot there. So. Just like the apostles were looking at Jesus from the eyes of their own physical and immediate need, in this case, the oppression by Rome, we at times have our own idea of the mission of Jesus unconsciously or unconsciously force it on God, making him a pseudo-liberator which excuses our current worldview or personal experience or excuses our resentment towards him for not satisfying the ways we believe our lives or the world around should look like. Now, let me give you some example. Um, for example, making ourselves judges of what justice and equality should be in the world. We are like, why is people suffering? If I was God, I will eliminate all suffering. Now, by, by saying that you're making yourself judge of, of, of the world, you're making yourself unconsciously God because you want... If you were God, you would do that, but you're not, obviously, so you cannot. But just by saying that, philosophically speaking, you're making yourself God. Because you think you have the solution for the problem. And then, guess what happens? The resentent recent social justice activists. You, you, we can't become that. True justice comes from intimacy from, with God. And then you, you're like resenting God because of the suffering of the world or because something happened. And obviously it, it happens. And, and when we lose, lost someone or something like that, that happens and it is okay to, to bring it to the Lord. It's part of the human experience. But when we stay there, that's a problem. So that's just an example. I mean, it could be our worldview in this case. It could be a personal experience that we're like, okay, God, you should have done that. Or, um, or like resenting him for not satisfying the ways we believe things should happen, right? Now, let's go to verse 7. What Jesus replied, he replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Verse 7. Now, Jesus is not dismissing their question, right? He's not saying it's not valid. I think he's trying to say like, okay, guys, you're getting a little bit wrong here, and I think your intentions are not where they are supposed to be. Like, yeah, God promised that he was going to liberate Israel from oppression, right? And it is true, physically speaking. But obviously, there was a deeper issue than the physical, which is the spiritual, the, the sinful nature, 
that brings the physical infirmity, right? And, and then he's like saying, okay, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they're not for you to know. So stop questioning that. Stop questioning that. You, you're, you, you have the wrong question, basically, right? And then obviously we know in verse 8 that he said, but you, this is what you got to focus. You'll receive the Holy Spirit, blah, 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 blah. You know, we'll get there. But, but, but he's like, but, okay, good point. That's not where we're going. That's on God. Leave it to God. But this, right? And, and then what's interesting is that, um, like, sometimes our questions are well-intentioned, Right? And we wish to know, for example, when will suffering on earth will finally end, right? Like, but Jesus is explicit on his response, explicit. It is not for us to know, but to trust that God in his demonstrated love and mercy will judge justly and bring end to suffering in his own timing. That's just an example. It can be in anything else that we question God, but, but, um, but in his demonstrated love and mercy would judge justly and bring end to suffering his own timing. So sometimes we wish God would do things differently. But that simply is making ourselves gods and somehow thinking we have the answers to all the chaos around us. It's like going back to the Garden of Eden and like even Adam wanting to have the quality of being God when we are not God. When they weren't God, they wanted to be like God. And they're the image of God, a reflection, but not quite the essence, right? It's like a mirror. It's not a human being, but you touch it and it's just a mirror. It's the image, right? But we don't have the essence of God. We are we're the image of God. Um, so, so, um, so even Adam, wanted, Adam and Eve wanted to have the quality of being God when they were not God. So basically, let God be God, Right? Let God be God and let him answer all that which is mysterious to the human mind. Perhaps that is what trusting, having faith in him is all about. That's why Christianity is, this is my faith, we said, right? So perhaps that's the mystery that we should dwell in and trust in him that he will bring it about. So that's my mission, my preconceived notions of God's mission, Right? Now the mission, the mission, not my mission, but that mission, God's mission. And that's on verse 8, that, that's the but. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the, world, of the earth. So here you, you see, but you will receive power. Power means that you have the ability to do something that you couldn't with, do it without it, right? Like a policeman that has a gun. He has the power of do certain things because he also has the authority to utilize it. The, the, the issue in the world is that people have power with, without authority. And that's what, hap that's what we see suffering and war and famine because that's sin, having power without authority, without true authority, right? Putin 
doesn't have God's authority. He's utilizing quote-unquote authority. It's a pseudo-authority. And then what happens? You know, thousands of people die because of the misuse of power, right? The Western world as well. I mean, all, there is all sorts of things, you know? We use the power, the Western world uses the power to, it's a, to feed their own peoples. But then the global south suffers because all the resources, guess what, comes from the global south. And who are the ones that get the benefits of it? The minority world in the West. So it's not that Russia or the U.S. is better than one another. They are all just secular governments. It's not the kingdom of God, and we should not be expecting them to be. The kingdom of God, it's the one that is empowered by the true authority. So power only comes with not a pseudo-authority, but a true authority. The one that comes from God. So you will receive the power from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Witnesses meaning my representative, my ambassadors, if you will. Um, telling people about me everywhere. So you see, power comes from Holy Spirit. They're going to be witnesses of Jesus telling Everyone about me, says Jesus, about Jesus everywhere. So the Holy Spirit comes to empower the church to talk about the second person of the Trinity, Jesus. And then he says, everywhere, where? In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Now, remember that the... the the disciples only receive the power to accomplish God's mission if they receive the Holy Spirit, the empower. Only then they have the capacity to witness to the truth of Jesus. That is embodying Jesus by word, deed, and power to go everywhere. To tell people with their words, through their actions. And you can see that on Acts uh, 3, I believe, when they go out. And they, the first thing that he does is heals a person by... Through, through faith in Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, then he gets to tell them about what happened. You have word, you have deed, and you have the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so Christ's mission is to empower his church by the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses of his to the very places he has called us to go. Just as he was sent to send, so we are sent to send. So that's the mission. Jesus was sent to send the Holy Spirit. The Father was sent, sent Jesus, sent the Holy Spirit to send the disciples. So the disciples were sent to send their disciples. And here we are 2,000 years later, knowing about Jesus because of thousands of generations before us, sending, 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 sending. Coming all the way to the ends of the world to a continent that was even unknown at that time. So, so Christ's mission is to empower his church by the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses of his to the very places he has called us to go. So that's the mission of God. 
were sent to be sent. We are God was sent to send us so that we are sent to send others, right? So what's the hope? That's the last one. The now and not yet. So we've talked about uh, the, the waiting. There is a waiting that happens. Then, you know, while people waiting, then we have our, my mission, our preconceived notions, then the mission of God, God's mission. And now the hope. The now and not yet in verse 10 and 11. So um, in these verses, uh, we see that um, it says, As they strained to see him rising into heaven, um, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him, meaning like they're like barely seeing him now because he's up there, uh, into heaven, two white robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So in these verses, the disciples having received the mission now, first, they, you know, they, 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 they thought that this was a preconceived mission. Now they got, okay, that's a mission. All right, Jesus. Now, they see Jesus ascending to heaven. As they are doing this, they are reminded by two angels that their missions will not be in vain, basically. For there will be one day that Jesus will return and descend from heaven the same way they are seeing him ascending to finally establish his full reign on earth. Now, this is very important. And I was thinking, should I bring this up? And I'm like, it is very important because then they have a hope for them going forward by the empowerment of the spirit, because it's like, okay, they thought it was going to be final, but then Jesus is like, it's not. You have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's going to be miracles that happen. People getting healed. The supernatural is going to be seen. You're going to tell them about me, be my witnesses, and then the word of God is going to spread by the empowerment of the spirit, and you will be able to embody me, Jesus said, right? But then they, they probably were a little bit like, but why? Why, why did you just not come and establish the kingdom fully? What it has to be now and not yet, right? And a lot of us probably are like, Jesus, just come back. Just forget about this, you know. Now we know that God has a lot of mercy and he wants everyone to be saved and healed. So he stands time because that's how he is. But we want it to be fast because, you know, we want full full justice now. And, and then... Um, but, um, but uh, this is very important because for though the church was going to be empowered to carry the good news and the works of Christ to the ends of the world, darkness and suffering, that sin, was still around the disciples. They understood that the kingdom of God was being established through his church, but not yet in its fullness. So Christ's return is that, is that which gives the church the hope that all the suffering, pain, and sin that we see all around us will one day be gone when Christ finally returns and establishes his reign fully on earth. But as of now, we hold tightly to his kingdom that is here, though not yet in its fullness. And that's when they were seen in hope, like, okay, we're seeing Jesus going up, probably in all its splendor, right? And he was going to come down, not as a humble baby, but as a king, like John says in Revelation, and establish his kingdom, his justice on earth. 
So we see that that the sadness that comes from God, um, and and the the you know we saw the sadness that happens on the trying God, then we saw how it happens and plays out on these first verses, and how we had our mission. God has His own mission, and then we have the hope in Christ that He'll come back, as we're empowered to be sent. But um, Andrea actually. Uh, <laughs> Has a, I'm always giving stories, but, you know, actually she, she told me, hey, maybe I, I'm like, yeah, because I don't have any stories. So, <laughs> so Andres is going to share a couple of stories, and then we'll have a time of reflection and challenge. Let's reflect a little bit on the following questions. So in what ways is God calling me to wait on the Holy Spirit and don't rely on my own strength? Right? We saw the first. The first theme, the first point was that the disciples were waiting a few days for the Holy Spirit as Jesus commanded them to wait, to be empowered, right? So what, in what ways is God calling me to wait on the Holy Spirit and don't rely on my own strength, right? We, last week we talked how Peter went into going back to his old ways, doing things by his own strength. Right, And then Jesus called him back, restore him through healing. right? And now he's been empowered to go out. So how can we wait on him? Not rely on my own strength. And what preconceived or narcissistic notions of Jesus' missions do I have? And how is it preventing me on seeing God's true mission of being empowered to be a witness of Christ in the circles of influence he has called me to. We, we, we saw some examples when Andrea uh, mentioned this, the circles of influence, right? So what preconceived or narcissistic notions of Jesus's mission do I have? And how is it preventing me on seeing God's true mission of being empowered to be a witness of Christ in the circle of influence he has called me to? And finally, where am I setting my hopes on is it on the recent and ascended Jesus who will one day return and bring forth his justice? Or is it all my preconceived worldview? Which obviously will bring, wouldn't bring joy, but just like sadness and depression, right? Well, let's just pray um, about these things and then we'll go into a challenge and have just uh, Grace lead us um, with the last song before we finish. So... So Holy Spirit, we just come to you. We pray that you show us ways to wait on you and not to rely on our own strength. We pray, God, that all of us have preconceived narcissistic notions of how your mission should be on the world. And sometimes that just prevents us from seeing your true mission, to be empowered, to be a witness of Christ wherever you've called us to, Jesus, through our passions, through our vocation, God. I pray that you will just reveal those things, Holy Spirit. I pray that, that, that you reveal, maybe, where am I setting my hope? Maybe it's been on financial security. Maybe it's been on relying on my own gifting. Or actually, uh, you know, perfectionism. And trying for things to, to go the way we think of perfection when perfection might be just realizing that we're not and that we need you. 
What am I setting my hopes on? I pray that, that you reveal that, that, that it should be on you, in the ascended Jesus, the resurrected, but also ascended Jesus, that one day will come back the same way he ascended, to bring forth his justice. And I pray that that will be our hope, not our financial security, no um, relationships, or the way we think things go, or whatever source of anxiety we might have, Lord. And then a challenge is make time to wait on God so that through His Spirit He may fill or refill you with His power. Right? What does that mean? So you might feel depleted, you might feel weakened, you, you might have had a busy week. And we see on the Acts of the Apostles that there was a first time when they were filled by the Holy Spirit, baptized on fire. But then, but then there was always a refilling of His love, of His Spirit, continually being filled again and again. And, uh, and how can we allow, make time to wait on God so that through His Spirit He may fill or refill us with His love, with His power in the secret place? What, what would that look like this week? Maybe setting apart five minutes and play some worship music or journal or just don't do nothing, be in silence. Whatever way the Holy Spirit challenges you. And also set aside your preconceived notions and do one thing to witness to another in your current circle of influence. Either in deed, in word, or in power. It's just a challenge. Maybe at work. Maybe... Uh, pray with someone. If someone shares about some some sickness that they're going through or some challenge that they're going through, say, hey, we might if we pray together right now for that, just be a witness. You know, I'm a person of faith. You know, will you allow me to do that for you right now? Just pray with them. Or perhaps. Um, you can do an act of kindness, something sacrificial to another, bringing a gift, inviting them for a meal, visiting them. And while you do that, you can pray with them too, right? Or, or perhaps um, you can invite someone to Alpha on Tuesday for, so they can hear the good news or or invite them to church so, so they can feel the community. And, 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 you know, there's so many other ways or, or other groups or your home. You just, just do one thing, you know, this week.